tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. All our yesterdays have lighted fools their way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. everyone, welcome to the first episode of Quarantined with Friends, an HW show. I'm here with my co-host from the ang- Angry and Negative show, Dan, the Flyer fan. Dan, what's going on, man? Uh, doing pretty good. Survived all the storms today and, uh, you know, trying to keep busy as the quarantine continues. Yeah, I think that's what uh, we're all pretty much doing, just surviving by staying home. Uh, we have a very special guest for our first Quarantine with Friends episode um, of the band Fit for an Autopsy, uh, guitarist Tim Howley. Tim, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Just, uh, you know, trying to keep busy as well. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time to hang out. I mean, uh, I figured I would shoot you a message now because you c- you can't use the excuse, you know, you're touring or you're busy. You're a pretty oh, busy guy. So I tried to take advantage of that while I could. Well, it's, it's funny because like now that, you know, everybody has all this time on their hands, they're trying to, you know, push out as much content as possible. And they're starting to realize that content creators do this on a daily basis. So, you know, somebody like my buddy Fluff, who does the Rips and Beards, uh, you know, YouTube channel and stuff like that, he's working triple the amount now because companies don't have touring guys out on tour, you know, making content. They need those guys at home making videos and reviews and all that stuff. So some guys are actually getting a little busier. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Way busier. That's always a good thing. So, uh, I was going to ask you a little bit later on in the show, but you mentioned touring and whatnot. You guys had just started your tour along with I are is murder. And (laughs) <laughs> did you guys you did how many shows did you do one or two we played one show and it, what's it, what's messed up about it was you know we got we got in the van and we were like all right you know this stuff i guess it didn't hit us as hard like seriousness wise mm-hmm. um it didn't hit us as hard as other people because other people have been hearing about it for a while but we were just on tour in europe so you know, once we got acclimated to real life again, we were like, oh, what's this, you know, what's what's this Corona shit we're hearing about? You know, so we only had two weeks to kind of soak up as much knowledge as possible. So we had no idea. Right. So we were like, all right, well, you know, we're going to go on tour and it's going to be like usual. And then it it got to be like a day before the tour and certain states and certain shows started to get uh you know canceled or they were gonna put the shows down to 250 people or less or something like that and we were like oh this is getting kind of serious and then from the day that we got to philly because philly was our first show um i had tickets to that show yeah we showed up and 
from the time we got there to about 15 minutes before we played, it went from like we're doing the whole tour to we're going home after after we play. <laughs> that's, that's fucking crazy, man. It it was wild. It was wild. I it was crazy because we got home from the tour in Europe and I spent all this money on gear. And I was just like, all right, you know, I'll make it back. I'll be on tour. I'll be, you know, I'll be working, blah, 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 blah. And I'm setting up all this new gear for the tour. And my buddy Frank, who tours, he was actually out with uh, with Black Veil, uh, Black Veil Brides. And he was, uh, I think he was assistant TM or whatever he was doing. And he texted me. He was like, yo, they shut down our whole tour. Jeez. And I'm like, no way. I'm like, there's no way they're doing that to us. And... It, three hours later, they're like, "All right, boys, we're going home. Tour's canceled." <laughs> that was the the night of the show after after the tour. I mean, that I'm sorry, was, after the show. No, that was about 15 minutes before we played. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, they're like, "All oh, right, you know." So all of us were making jokes like, "Oh, this was the sickest tour." Like, man, I can't wait to do this one again. You know, oh, it was a great <laughs> time touring with you guys. Like, I loved getting to know you guys. Like, to dudes that I didn't even know. Like, they yeah. had. There was this band from, uh, I think they were from Iceland, that, or either Iceland or Sweden, or something like that. I, I totally forgot where they're from because you I know, didn't get to know them at that all. That sucks, you know? yeah. And they flew over from Europe. I mean, every band on that tour, besides us and Enterprise Earth, was from overseas. You had two bands from Australia and one band from Europe. So yeah. they spent all that money to get there. They play one show, and then they got to turn around and get the fuck home. That's a fucking shame, man. That really is. It sucks. But uh, you know what? I All of us kind of sat down. We were like, listen, we'd rather not risk the safety of everybody over the next course, you know, course of the next month. Realistically, we wouldn't have made it a week because everybody shut down anyway. Mm-hmm. But still. Let me ask you, what, what's the mood like? Because you have to be like pumped out of your mind to start a, a new tour, uh, you know, make uh, – I'm obviously make money but you know meet a bunch of people you know go out and tour and, and jam out and whatnot but what I, I imagine you're pumped but what what was the mood like when you found out all right well this is done after tonight like could, how did you how did it affect the way you went out there and played that night um i i think at that point we were just kind of laughing about it because at you, you kind of have to laugh at a situation like that, you know, when when you have something that is so outside of your control mm-hmm. and so out of your hands that you you can't you literally can't do anything about it. It's not like you know our van broke down or our bassist quit or our drummer quit or something like that. Like it's not you could keep going, you know, you, you could be down for a week and then you know a week later you'll be back on tour. Yeah. When something like this happens it was so out of the box that we were like okay what do we do you know so we just played the show we gave it our all like we do every night you know we played a hell of a show i thought what's funny is that i said to everybody after our set i thought that the the set list that we put together for this tour flowed so well into it uh, you know into just song the song the song and, uh, you know, I was bummed that we didn't get to play it for, you know, the month that we were supposed to be out. But, you know, we gave it our all. And then we were like, all right, well, I guess we got to go the fuck home, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, 
I got two questions for you real quick before we move on to a different topic. Where Tonight you would have been playing at Gramercy Theater in New York City, right? Yep, it would have been a hometown show pretty much. Yep. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, are you still keeping track? Like, oh, man, we would have played here tonight. We would have played there tomorrow. Like, um, Not not really. Uh, you know, afterwards, once I was like, all right, the tour was canceled. Um, you know, I would have friends and fans and, you know, people that even family members that were like, oh, you would have been in, you know, Oregon, at, you know, today or oh, we would have been hanging out today or something like that. So that kind of kept me in the loop of what was going on. But over the last couple of weeks, I've kind of been like just in my own shell in my house, like just kind of focusing on other stuff. Uh, other than like dwelling on what would have been tour wise, you know, yeah, that's probably pretty, that's a smart move there. Uh, the other question I wanted to ask was why did, why did, did you guys choose Philly first? And it, was it just because of logistics or was it like, you know what, let's start out with Philly. Cause I, me, Dan and I are like 20 minutes to half an hour outside of Philly. I'm in South Jersey. Dan's more in, uh, Dan, what are you, where are you closer to Lehigh Valley, right? Yeah. Lehigh Valley. Nice. Well, who chose Philly? Why was Philly the first place you guys decided to? Uh, it's start? just it's just where the cookie crumbles. It's okay. kind of you know when so Thy Art is murders from Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whenever they come to the states, uh, Jersey is kind of like their central hub uh, because it's easier to get to New York and Newark, New Jersey, uh, or JFK or something like that than it is to fly somewhere else. Plus, all of their gear is stored in New Jersey. It's just easier for them. So with us being based out of Jersey, I mean, I'm on Long Island, but for us as a band to be based out of Jersey, um, you know, with us there and them being, uh, you know, loosely based out of there in the States, uh, it's just easier for them to start in the tri-state area or surrounding areas. And then I guess wrap up pretty close to the same spot. Yeah, exactly. So we were going to start in in Philly and end in Worcester. Okay, Massachusetts? Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. Makes sense. Yeah, I was like, oh, they picked Philly first. That's pretty cool. And, you know, it's just because it's the central hub. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned you were from Long Island, and that actually leads me to some of my next questions for you here. I know you're a pretty big hockey guy. I tried to get you on during the season. Uh, but it, it was right when you guys, I think, were leaving to tour uh, in Europe. Yeah, um, you hit me up early January. I was just about to leave for California for Nam, and then we were literally going straight to Europe. Yeah, and and that's okay because this this turned out to be better. You know, we can hang out and bullshit about other things. But oh yeah. So you're a big hockey guy, Islander guy, and I was going to ask you why until you just said you were uh, you're living out in Long Island. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I grew up about 20 minutes away from Nassau Coliseum and, you know, being a kid in the nineties, I mean, I bro, Islander tickets were maybe 16 bucks, you know, you're talking <laughs> about, you know, $16 and you're, you're getting like high two hundreds, you know, center ice. So it, it, it just works out where my dad's like, yeah, Yo, you want to go to go to an Islander game? And my uncle had season tickets because season tickets were dirt cheap. So it's like, yeah, why not? So I would go to Islander games when I was a kid all the time. There you go. Do you remember who you were watching growing up? You know what's funny? I don't. It's like I feel like a bad fan because <laughs> like by the time I by the time I would have 
kept track of players. I was so into so I was into so many other things at that point that I, that I was like it it was just irrelevant, you know. Because yeah. I I mean I I was born in '89, so like when I was 10 years old, that was '99, right? So I started going to games around 95, 96, 97, and we only go to like two, three games a year. But I was, I also loved wrestling. I loved music. I loved all this other stuff. And by the time, you know, I got to be early teens, I was so far removed from, you know, watching hockey that I, because I was into music way more. And uh, it wasn't until recently that I got back into it or not recently i was talking like maybe 2010 that i got super back into it and that's when i started following players like not only on the islanders but all around the league guy so i'm i think you're like two years younger than me if you were 10 in 2009 i think i was 12 and i'm trying to think back to some of those islanders teams and oh no two 2000 or 99 i was 10 i'm sorry yeah 99 99 yeah yeah so same yeah so i'm 32 uh I'm trying to think back then, and I'm like, damn, I can't think of any Islanders players either. I don't, I don't think they had that many good teams back then. I mean, days. you had it, back when I was watching. You had Casparitis. You had, um, I hated you that had player. Ziggy. Exactly. <laughs> you had, you had Ziggy Palfy. You had, you know, you had, you had good players here and there. But like, to be honest, there wasn't anybody in my eyes that like really stood out because i mean the islanders in the in the 90s and the 2000s were kind of trash you know i'm not even gonna say kind of trash they were a trash team you know and uh you know it's i I love the team as is but it's like there's nobody that's like really really you know mesmerizing and and memorable player-wise I didn't like too many players that didn't play for the Flyers growing up, but Palfy was one of those guys I always kind of liked. And I don't know if it was because of his name or he was he was one of the smaller guys, I think, if I can remember. And he always just found a way. He found a way to to beat the Flyers, it felt like, anyway. Oh, of course. Yeah. I, dude, it, you know, and it's it's crazy because I remember my first game because the first game I ever went to, I, I was like, oh, I must have been like seven, eight years old. Uh, probably seven. It was probably ninety six. Uh, it was Islanders Lightning. I was doing a karate demo outside of Nassau Coliseum, and <laughs> uh, the the sensei of like the whole. I went to Tiger Shulman's. It was like you know the bullshit fucking karate kid bullshit. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the 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 guy, the sensei was like, I don't like hockey. He's like, you guys want tickets? We were 12 rows above, uh, we were 12 rows behind uh, Islanders uh, Islanders net, and it was right next to their keyboardist. Their keyboardist was like 12 rows up behind, uh, behind the, the Islanders' uh, home net. So I was just sitting there, and I was screaming my head off, and the dude actually gave me a puck. I still have that puck to this day. But, like, that's the one game that I remember full force. And then every game after that was just a blur. <laughs> that's a pretty sick story. So you took karate? Oh, yeah. Do you, I, still, dude, do you still take it? Hell no, dude. I got some <laughs> kid. Dude, I am, like, the least physical. I mean, I don't want to say the least physically active dude. But, 
you know, when I was a kid, I did karate. I did. I played basketball, football, baseball. I tried soccer. I did, I tried everything. Uh, I dude, I ran track and field in high school, and it was like, I don't know. I I just never really vibed with anything. I was never real like full force into any sport. Besides, I mean, I liked track and field because it was shot put and discus. I didn't have to run. You know, I literally just got to stand there and be strong. And I was just like, all right, this is cool. I don't have to do any cardio. You know, th- this was, I think this was one of the questions I was going to ask you, but I, I didn't put it on here. Uh, I guess it was like, you know, how did you get into music? Did you have, did you try sports first? And then, or, or did you always have that love for music and you were just dipping, you know, trying out sports? So it, it's actually a funny story. Like, I mean, I did sport every kid, not every kid, but. Mostly every kid tries a sport here and there, tries whatever when they're uh, when they're a kid or, you know, so uh, yeah, like I said, I tried everything um, and I'm sitting there. I was like 10 years old and I was like, man, I don't have a hobby. I looked at my dad. I was like, I don't have a hobby. <laughs> I need a hobby. And he looked at me and was like, what do you want to do? And we were sitting there listening to the radio which uh, up by us is the classic rock station. It's WBAB. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like, ah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll play guitar. Maybe I'll, you know, try and play guitar. And he's like, are you sure? I go, yeah. And I remember he was, he asked me, uh, how long are you going to do it for? You know, are you going to, am I going to buy you this guitar and then you're going to do it for two, three years and then be done with it? I was like, nah, I'll give it five years. And 20 years later, here I am. Just like that, huh? Yeah. It was, you know, I, I got into it. I took lessons. Uh, you know, seven years after taking lessons, uh, I started teaching lessons. And, uh, you know, I had already been in bands for a while at that point. And, you know, I started, like, after I, right after I started teaching guitar lessons is when I started going on tour when I was, like, I was... 1718. Okay. So this kind of leads into some of the other questions I wanted to ask because I saw uh, you became a member of Fit for an Autopsy in 2013. Yep. What were you doing in between that time where you were where you were um, giving uh, music lessons and before you joined as a, a member of Fit for an Autopsy? So uh, I, in 2007, uh, I started touring and playing, you know, doing merch for a band called The World We Knew. Um, had minor regional success, uh, had minor success around the, around the U S. Um, and I had a good time. We had, we had six strong years, you know, some ups and downs, uh, a lot of downs more than ups, but, uh, you know, it, it taught me how to tour and how to tour. I I don't want to, I don't want to say properly, but it taught me how to survive in a DIY dog eat dog type world. And, uh, you know, gaining that experience, getting those experience points over the six years from 2007 to 2013, it's like, you know, this is this is literally the the best thing that I could have possibly done. So, uh, you know, I toured full time with them and then uh, late 2012. We, uh, you know, between multiple labels, multiple management companies, multiple booking agents, and 
you know, just a lot of failed shit. I went to our singer. I was like, listen, dude, I can't do it anymore. You know, I, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to put time and effort into a project that's not moving forward and not going up. Like we're going up a little bit and then going down a lot then going up a little bit and then going down a lot. So before it, it is literally beating a dead horse. I'm like, I'm done, you know? So that ended in March of 2013. And like a month later, Pat called me and was like, Hey, I know you're not touring anymore. Join my band. And I literally said, no, <laughs> did not <laughs> expect like, that. I was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, you tour for six years straight and you're living in a van and you're making $5 a day. You're like, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay with not doing this. And then, yeah, he turned around, he sent me, uh, the pre-production stuff for all the Hellbound record. And, uh, I was like, shit, I, I, I guess I'd be an idiot if I didn't do this. So, uh, I joined, I was like, yeah, why not? Let's jam. And that's what I've been doing since, uh, I think my first show was June 30th, 2013. Wow. And you remember just like that. Done and done. Where was that at? Uh, first show was in Pennsylvania. It was a fest. Uh, we played with, it was like impending doom. Uh, who else was on it? I want to say within the ruins was on it, but I'm not 100%. There was a, it was an all day, like, you know, metal and hardcore festival in, in like the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I can't wait for that shit to start back up, man. Did you have? Did you see the stuff going around? Not to bring the mood down here, but how they were thinking about uh, no shows until fall 2021 or some shit like that. See, I, I mean, I think that's bullshit. Yeah. I think, I think that it'll happen way sooner. But uh, as for this year, I'm very skeptical. Um, you know, I, I want to keep a, I want to keep my head up high, and I want to say, you know, hey, like we're we're ready as soon as as soon as they're like yo uh you know everything's good we're we're fine get back out there like i am literally i have my bag packed i'm ready to go and i i feel that everybody in my band feels the same way yeah. um but again you know i don't want to risk too much i don't want to risk you know people getting sick and potentially risk lives cuz people are dying you know it oh, sucks yeah. so sure. uh you know, I, I'd like to follow the guidelines as possible, but, um, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm hoping towards the end of this year, getting at least getting stuff here and there, you know, you're not going to see 70,000 person festivals happen, you know, like, I, unfortunately I think that, you know, this summer might like, they're already starting to cancel summer festivals in Europe. Um, I mean, I'm, I hope that hours don't get canceled, but I, I don't see any other, you know, I don't see any other option for these festivals. You know, getting that many people together in one space is is a little bit daunting. Yeah. And I guess that's the that's the issue. Right. That's just it's just insane when I think about it, because I guess a month ago I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll give this a month and they'll have all these you know, solutions figured out by now and whatnot. And here we are a month later and it doesn't really feel like anything's changing. Yeah. There's, like, there's literally nothing changing. Like it's, it's, we're kind of at a stalemate and, you know, there might be progress with a vaccine. There might be this, 
but it's just such a slow mutation that from what I've heard that, you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint a vaccine for it. So who knows, you know, and, and that's the thing. I feel like nobody fully knows what the hell is going on. So everybody's kept in the dark. The only thing that you can really do is, you know, sit in your house and hang out with your pets or hang out with your girlfriend or your parents or your, you know, your friends, if you live with your friends and kind of just wait for it to blow over. Yeah. What's your situation like over there? You got any pets or girlfriends? Girlfriend? Uh, so, <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> uh, I have one, one singular fantastic girlfriend. Uh, she, go. she lives about 20 minutes from me. Uh, she's living with her parents and, you know, her parents are a little bit older as well. And I'm always in constant, constant contact with my parents. So, we're uh, trying to keep our distance, you know, we FaceTime every night and stuff like that. And we're talking every day, but it's still it's still hard on the relationship when, you know, you're not you're so close, but so far, sure. you know, it's like living in a long distance relationship when you're only 20 minutes away from each other. Yeah, because just just a month ago, it was like uh, you wouldn't even think twice. Hey, you want to come hang out? Yeah, absolutely. And now it's like you can't you can't do the simple things anymore. Yeah. It's, well, it's you're, cool. every, everybody's looking, um, everybody's looking at the world in it with a different set of eyes right now. You know, everybody's looking at each and that's, that's kind of a bummer because, you know, even me, like I, I find myself guilty of certain, certain, um, you know, certain, I guess, judgmental tactics, you know, like I'm, I'm just, I'm judging people as they're walking into a grocery store when I like, I don't know these people, you know, and if they were just walking by and it was a normal day, I'd be like, ah, whatever. But because I'm looking at them wear gloves and touch things and then touch their keys in their phone and then like not understand how cross contamination works and like, you know, people not wearing you know, a mask and coughing. And I'm just like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, it, like if, if you're feeling a little sick, stay the fuck home. You know, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been sitting at my house for the past month. The only people that I've come in contact, I've come in contact with maybe three, four people. And it's like, you know, even me, I'm like a little weary about it. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm pretty much, I wouldn't say I'm a hermit, but, uh, I'm an introvert. I, I like to hang out and spend my time home whenever I can and whatnot. But even this is like kind of too much for me. And to your point, I was at the supermarket uh, a couple of weeks ago and I'm standing in like the, the deli line where they have you standing like six feet back of the thing now. Oh yeah. They got the tape and all. And, and this guy's like, kind of like right on top of me. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this motherfucker comes two inches closer. I'm just gonna pop him in the face. I'm gonna grab my meat and get the fuck out of here. And then it's fucking crazy because like a month ago, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give two shits about that guy. You know what I mean? Of course. I wouldn't even you know, notice he was there. Yeah, people. I mean, you know, people standing a little too close. I'm like, yo, you, you get the fuck out of my personal <laughs> space to begin with. But now with all this stuff and the whole six feet thing and 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 whatnot, you know, I was at the grocery store maybe two weeks ago. I had the make rounds and, and get some groceries for, you know, a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm getting meat and this guy is over my fucking shoulder <laughs> and I turn around and I'm like, guy, you can't wait two minutes for me to pick out a fucking steak. 
Like, yeah. leave me alone. <laughs> Everyone, because everyone's worried that you're gonna fucking take all the steak, dude. That's what it is. Everyone's panicked. Yeah, they gotta I know. get the steak first, and blah blah blah. It's like, yo, take your fucking steak and leave me the fuck alone. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, there's gonna be more. And you know what drives me nuts is. I've been to the supermarket three different times in like the last month for for fucking uh, paper towels. Out every time. Oh, completely I know. out. I was using uh, I was using a shower towel two weeks ago to dry my fucking uh my kitchen counter. It was yeah. my mom came over like, what the fuck are you doing? You need paper towels? Yeah, like, it's it, you know it's it's and that's why I, I was saying before people don't know. They have no idea. They you know the general public. I feel is extremely uneducated yeah. and they don't, all they do is they watch TV or they watch trends on, on whatever social platform. So like, for example, some, you know, 50 year old dude will sit on his, on Facebook and he'll see that everybody's buying up toilet paper and he's like, Oh, I, I, I gotta get toilet paper. And he loses his fucking mind. Yeah. Instead of just being like, oh, everybody's an idiot, there's no reason for that. Because this virus doesn't affect your ass, you know? Like, <laughs> And you know what? You know what? To be honest with you, you know what? Even though it's kind of gross, it's like even if you do run out of toilet paper, most of the time you got a fucking shower next to you. Yeah. Hop in the shower. It's not the end of the world. Of you all know? things, then, I didn't get it. And what sucks is that Things like this bring out the grossest sides of humanity, yeah. and it brings out one of the the. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching, but no, like right. you know, you get those people. Like there was a there was an asshole in Brooklyn, right? That had five thousand boxes, five thousand boxes of N95 masks. What a dick. That he was selling for a 700% markup. Jesus. Right? And it's like that. It brings out the grossest sides of humanity. Because people are like, oh, I'm just going to jack up this pricing. And you know what? The dude got what he's fuck, got what he deserved. The, the, uh, the, I think it, was, it wasn't the FBI. But it was, it was one of one government agency went into his house. And they arrested him, and they fucking took it all, and they gave <laughs> it to hospitals around the area. Yeah, you know that's what he should have done. Yeah, same thing with the guy with the. There was a guy in the middle of the country, like Oklahoma or something like that. He bought seventeen thousand dollars worth of hand sanitizer. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and he, yo, he, they, they, it got confiscated. Confiscated. Yep. They took all of it, and they were like, "Hey, asshole, this is called price gouging." And it's illegal. And they took it. They confiscated all of it. And they gave it away like they should. You know? Like, don't get me wrong. If you, if Obviously, there's, there's certain opportunities within all of this. You know? Unfortunately, there's opportunities to make money with certain hardships. And that's fine. But do it. Do it. Or don't do it like an asshole. You know? Do it the proper way. Like there's companies right now, like um, I know uh, there's a bunch of drumhead companies, uh, there's a bunch of guitar companies and and uh, music accessory companies that are help uh, helping making masks, help making uh, face shields and stuff like that out of old drumheads. 
And like they're getting money for that stuff. So like they're still getting paid by the government to make that stuff. So they're still making money, but they're making money in a way that helps people. Yeah. You know, like I got a buddy of mine that runs a restaurant out here that he's working with a nonprofit that pays him for wholesale food so that they can supply all the nurses in the area with me- with hot meals. So wow. he's getting paid like the the restaurant is making money. So his business is still doing well, but he's still helping all the nurses, you know. So he's making money, but he's still helping. He's helping. It's, That's the key. Exactly. It's not that hard to do that. You know, it's the people that that want to make the money, but not help anybody. You know, yeah. it's the people that just want to that don't care about their neighbor at all. And that's that's the the shameful part, man. Like I, I understand the whole, you know, wanting to make money and, you know, being thinking you're smarter than the next guy and whatnot. But you know, number one, when people are fucking dying and then the people who are trying to save these people, you know, are are, are dying and getting sick and you're over here hoarding the shit that they use to protect themselves. Oh, so yeah. Like, Dude, this is f- some fucked up shit, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, our band is uh, is is very socially conscious when it comes to stuff like that. Um, you know, that our lyrical content is, you know, heavy on the fact that humanity is absolutely disgusting mm-hmm. and you know people don't care about their neighbor people don't care about you know the the person that they walk past in the supermarket that you know might need the might need those Clorox wipes more than they do because they have diabetes and they have to put needles into their body so they have to clean off that air like I mean, not Clorox wipes, but you know what I mean. Right, right. You know, so that people are hoarding baby wipes or hoarding all these cleansing materials, which it's like, all right, well, you know, you don't necessarily need that, you know. And the same thing with masks. Like, certain people don't need fifty a box of 50 masks, no. you know, but they'll buy it, they'll hoard it for themselves. When you have nurses at you know, Northwell Health, which is around by me, which my friend's wife works at, that they're telling them to reuse masks, you know? And it, it just, I don't know, man. It, it it just further solidifies the fact that humans are pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, it, and this is my opinion here. The, the majority, I think, are, but they're unaware that they are, if that makes sense. It, 100%. It's so... <laughs> This this brings me back to uh this brings me back to uh, a funny story from we uh from London, so we played uh we were on a headline tour last year, it was early 2019, and uh, we're uh, <laughs> we're hanging out and the a couple people from our label came to ask us interview questions and they were doing some stuff for their YouTube channel. And uh, they were just asking us random questions. And some of them were funny. Some of them were serious. But uh, they followed a funny question with a serious question. And I w- my brain was still on that funny wavelength. And uh, they asked, if you could rid the world of one thing, what would it be? Right? <laughs> yeah. And my brain, because we were in funny mode, my brain was like, mosquitoes. Fuck mosquitoes. <laughs> and uh, Mosquitoes do suck, but yeah. Yeah. And then you had like 
whichever band member was next to me was like, uh, I'd read World Hunger and I'd read like this and that and like <laughs> poverty with children. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> but, but it was funny because our bassist Blue said um, he would rid the world of obliviousness. And it resonated with me because after that day, I just kind of looked at everybody a little bit different. And I realized how oblivious and how ignorant and how just in their own world everybody is. Yep. They don't care. They don't they don't give a shit. They have no so idea. exactly. And I feel that everybody's so oblivious to what other people are going through that they just it's not that they don't care. It's just that they don't have the opportunity to care because the opportunity doesn't pre present itself because they don't look for it. You know, it's, it's just there, you know? Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, I've read a lot of books about this, that, those kind of things and whatnot. Uh, I think ego has a lot to do with it. I think most people are ran by their ego. And it, 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 change, it changes the way that, at least for me, that I see people because... Like for example, if uh, if you met me, you would you would you know see the clothes that I was wearing. You would see you know the the facial hair that I had and and whatnot. And what you would be seeing is my ego, because my ego picks out my clothes and picks out my identity and whatnot. Whereas and, and once you realize all that, it's at least for me, it's easier to attempt to get to know somebody because right away, you know, when I see someone's ego, I'm like, all right, let's try to get to know this guy because. Right now, I'm, get, I'm getting to know his ego. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Does that course. make sense? Yeah. So once I learned all this, it made it so much easier for me to establish genuine relationships with people because when you when you don't realize that you're talking to someone's ego, everything's bullshit. And you know, for if you go out to I don't know the supermarket or, or any public place, most likely what you're seeing, what you're coming in in contact with, is somebody's ego. And I don't know. I, I'm just fascinated by it. Yeah, it's it's who they think they are, yeah. not who they actually are. Right. You know, and it's not until it, that's why, like, you know, when when people say that first impressions make a world of difference, it's like, you know, when first impressions, you're not meeting that actual person. You know, it's not till the third, fourth, fifth time that you hang out with somebody that you actually start to meet that person for who they actually are because sure. you're people are always trying to impress people that they don't know. You know, they always want to come off a certain way because they don't want them thinking, you know, that you're something that you don't believe you are. You know, if like, if I believe I'm a certain way, I'm like, Ooh, I don't want people thinking I'm like that. So let me just come off like I'm way better than that. You know? <laughs> and right. unfortunately, you know, that's just how people are. You know, it's a little bit different for me. I mean, it's it's kind of funny because at 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 the core, it's like I don't fucking care, but I still find myself doing those things with certain people. You know, yeah. you meet you know you meet certain people, especially in the in the music world or the motorcycle world or the hockey world, and and so on and so forth. You're still in, you're still putting on a facade. 
no matter no matter what you you know no matter what you think you look like you don't look like that you know it's still crazy man yeah it's actually i was i was watching uh, i don't know if you know who neil brennan is he was uh dave chappelle's writing partner in uh for the chappelle show he wrote uh half baked with him and so on and so forth um comedy writer dude's absolutely hilarious but he was uh he was explaining that like cele- even celebrities around other celebrities act different. Mm-hmm. Like they might think that they're acting normal, but they act way different because they want to be looked at a certain way. They don't want to be they don't want to be perceived as either uh, lower on the totem pole or so on and so forth. So uh, it, it's fascinating to me watching celebrities meet their celebrity crush or like you know just meet somebody that they're a fan of because we look at them as in such high regard you know just normal people look at celebrities and actors and actresses and athletes in in this high regard and put them on a pedestal but they still have their own pedestals you know like when uh what's her name Who's the chick uh, from? She played Katniss in uh, Hunger Games. I just watched her in a movie the other night. She was in the one with Bradley Cooper too. Jennifer uh, something. Not uh, Jennifer Garner. No, that's Dan. Any idea? She played Electra. Did you watch the Hunger Games, Dan? Uh, I did not. I'm googling right now, though. Uh, but she, uh, you know, she's sitting there and she was doing an interview. And I forget who she was doing an interview with, maybe, you know, E! Online or whoever. Jack Nicholson walked up behind her, and she fucking lost it. Like, yeah. like got super shy. Like, she was doing an interview like, like it, it was nothing. But then she got super shy once Jack Nicholson walked by. I mean, it's, it's Jack Nicholson. I would, yeah. too. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, she got super shy and she was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, what do I do? What do I say? Like, what do I do with my hands? Like, I, <laughs> you know, totally froze. And uh, Jennifer Lawrence, by the way, Jennifer Lawrence. Yes, exactly. And she also did that with Jeff Bridges as well uh, at a <laughs> Comic-Con. And uh, but yeah, it's it just depends on, you know, how you want people to see you and how people react around each other. You know, no matter, I mean, there's, there's bands. I, okay. Uh, one of my favorite bands in, in life is at the gates. Like at the gates is a Swedish death metal band. I've loved them forever. And I met those dudes and I was just like, holy shit. Like I'm losing my mind, but guaranteed if a kid saw me, he would like a, just a random fan from, you know, bumfuck Oklahoma he would act the same way you know so I'm looking at Adrian Erlinson who drummed who played drums in at the gates and like all these other crazy bands like holy shit like you know I, I gotta play it cool I gotta play it cool and then you know you have the same thing happening with me and some kid that is just in a local band so it's all relative man it is really interesting people are fascinating man that, all, all day long that's all I do is watch people yeah. You know, and just try to understand them or, or, or who's being real or who can I make a connection with or whose bullshit can I see through and whatnot. 
People oh, are just, yeah. they're fascinating, man. Well, and, and it's, you know, it's not that I'm judging them either. It's just, okay, they got some stuff going on where this person's being pretty, pretty cool. You know, I can get along with that guy. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, and it, it, you know, guaranteed it's the same way with hockey players, you know, guaranteed that there's still guys that Wayne Gretzky, like, even though Wayne Gretzky is the best hockey player to ever live, you know, there's still guys that he's just like, you know, odd, not, you know, he would be nervous around. Yeah. You know, you got Mike Tyson saying that, you know, Muhammad Ali would beat him in a fight 100%. When, like, we all know that Mike Tyson would eat Muhammad <laughs> Ali alive. Like, it just, <laughs> Muhammad Ali was a boxer. Mike Tyson was trying to fucking kill people. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the difference. He you was know? one of the best, man. Mike Tyson. I, yeah, I mean, both of them, both of them were literally perfect at their craft. You know, but you still have that that child in Mike Tyson that says that like, nah, like I, I can't fuck with that guy's legacy. Yeah. It's interesting stuff. It really is. I could talk to you all night about this stuff. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. it's already 745. <laughs> we're, <laughs> 45, we're going to have to have you on again, dude, because I could, I, could I could talk to you for an hour about all that kind of stuff. I, I am always down. You know, now that we have all this time. Uh, I dude, I'm starting my own podcast. I'm doing my clothing company. I have a leather company. I, dude, I got so much stuff on my plate, but I'm always down for a good conversation. Well, awesome, dude. Me too. So I was going to ask you about all that stuff. If you want, don't be shy about putting names of. Uh, you mentioned your buddy's restaurant. Like it's okay to throw uh, throw the restaurant name out there if if you want. If it's okay with him. Oh, but, I mean, dude, like you would love that. Yeah, your leather business. I mean, anything you're doing, please don't be shy. Just put it out there. So, I mean, right now, I, while, we're, you know, while we're home from tour, you know, doing, you know, I'm still doing all the fit for an autopsy stuff. I'm still doing, you know, managing the social media and, you know, writing riffs here and there, not too much, but like trying to keep my mind off of not being able to tour, you know. Um, but then, you know, I've had a clothing company, a motorcycle based clothing company for the past seven years called tombstone hardware that i'm starting a music and motorcycles type podcast where uh you know i'm gonna have guys on that tour full-time and ride motorcycles or guys from the motorcycle world that you know faded into the music world um you know and grew up going to shows and stuff like that and then uh on top of that i have i do leather work so you know i'm starting a, another company called south shore Leatherworks where I'm going to be doing more wholesale leather stuff. So, um, you know, if a company, say a coffee shop up the block wants to get leather coffee sleeves, I could punch out 50 of them and put their logo on it, you know? Yeah, I was uh, checking some of those things out, man. You do, you got some quality product over there. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I've been doing it for six, seven years. So, you I know. might need a, I might need a wallet through all this. You ship to South Jersey? Uh, dude, I ship everywhere. I, I have to ship uh wallet out to i have to ship a wallet out to the netherlands within the next couple of days the hell out of here yeah 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 i ship that's literally pretty sick. Every, everywhere in the world yeah that's pretty sick man that's got to feel good when people are buying your stuff uh, all the way in europe huh oh i love it well you know it's it everything kind of piggybacks off of the band like if the band's doing well people know about you as a person 
And then people are like, oh, well, he's from Fit for an Autopsy. Let me grab, you know, I, I want a belt from him or I want a wallet or a T-shirt or something like that because they want to get that, you know, it, it's that personal connection. And that's why I like creating stuff like, it, you know, these handmade items because it's it's not, you know, as cheesy as it sounds. It's like every piece, it's like I'm making it with my hands. Like it's a little piece of me that's going out to everybody, yeah. you know. It's like personalized almost. Exactly. Well, it is. It's not, it's, I mean, t-shirts are cool, you know, but like I'm not, it's not, it's different. If I was hand screening these t-shirts, it's different than like some, you know, random guy just making the t-shirt in, you know, India or Bangladesh and then having it shipped from there to Europe, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool, man. Cause I, you don't see too many, uh, too many, uh, band members doing, uh, making leather products and whatnot. So I, it's something yeah. different. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you always have to have a side hustle. That's super important. And that's one thing that I try and tell every younger band. It's like, look, you're going to make money on tour eventually, but you never know when you're going to make enough money to be comfortable. So you always have to have a side hustle. You know, you always got to have something to either fall back on or something else to put money in your pocket and help pay for bills. You know, you got me, I do leather work and I do the clothing company and I also stream uh, you know, all that stuff on Twitch. I do music stuff and play guitar on Twitch and whatever. Um, Pat is a tattooer. Joe is a barber. Um, you know, Hosean does piercings. Will is one of the biggest metal producers in the, in the world right now. So, you know, you gotta have something to fall back on just in case your music career doesn't take off. That's pretty good advice for anybody, really. I mean, to have you know, if, if you can make money off a hobby or make money doing, a, you know, obviously you need two things to, to make money, something to fall back on, like you said. Great advice. Uh, so you mentioned Twitch. Uh, you're also a big gamer. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, kind of. So, okay. like, I used to play games when I was a kid. But then, uh, you know, as I got older, my game choices narrowed down. And literally now it's like I, for a while I was just playing NHL and Battlefield and then Battlefield 5 came out and I was just like, nah, I'm not into this. So I started playing Call of Duty. So okay. I, now I play NHL 20 and, and Modern Warfare. You know, right. I only play, I only jam two games, but usually on Twitch I'm doing, you know, Mondays and Wednesdays I do music stuff. Tuesdays and Thursdays I was doing leather work until, uh, I got a work like an actual workbench for my leather stuff. I used to make everything at my computer desk, man. Like yeah. literally everything I would make at my computer desk. And you got that big, you actually had to go get a workbench, huh? Yeah. Well, it was funny because uh, my dad would. Uh, my dad once he retired, he wanted to build uh, motorcycles for a little bit, so he bought a workbench and an extra set of tools and all this shit to uh, to build bikes. And then um, his buddy recently. Uh, moved down to Georgia and he had to get all everything out of his shop uh, where he's building the bikes out of. And which, by the way, was funny. The shop that he built him built them out of. My dad was building old Harleys, like panheads and and shovels and stuff like that. And uh, and this guy worked. Uh, he was uh, working for a IMSA racing team that uh, in in the GTD class. So for a while he was doing. Audi R8s, and then he was doing Lamborghini Huracans. So you had Lamborghinis and Audis and all this stuff, and then you had my dad in the corner doing, uh, doing old Harleys. That's great. But uh, yeah, he had an extra workbench. I was like, 
I can 100% use that. So took that and, uh, you know, hopefully I can mirror my stream setup that's at my desk right now over to uh, my workbench so that I could start streaming Leatherwork more because that was a lot of fun. That's pretty sick, man. So what's uh, what's your Twitch stream? Uh, Twitch is just twitch.tv slash I am Tim Howley. Okay, pretty simple. Yeah, oh, you know, when, when you're at this level, you kind of have to make sure that all your socials are the same oh, yeah. because it's way easier to find you on, yeah. you know, whatever social media platform of choice people have. Smart. Uh, for a while, I had like four different names for like everything, and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I had know, the same to, thing. Dan bust my balls on that because I changed my all my stuff around like three times in the last six months. Yeah, exactly. It's it, honestly getting everything down to like one thing. And, you know, to be honest, I wanted to be a little bit more professional with my name. Um, so I was just like, you know what? I just put my whole name out there. It's it's at this point, it's like everybody knows my whole name anyway. Like I'm not hiding anything. So yeah, it's smart. what it is. All right, so to wrap up, I have a couple like uh, cliche type questions here. Cool. Uh, Dan, if do you got anything that you want to add in? Just uh, for the fans, you know, obviously we can't buy tickets and go to shows right now. What is the best way as fans that we can support the band? Okay, so supporting the band is uh, there's two ways. Um, obviously, buying merch and supporting that way, and going to your band's official mer- or your favorite band's official merch store. That is is definitely one of the best ways. Uh, second best way is, you know, just listen to the music on a streaming service, whether it be Spotify or uh, even YouTube or Apple Music or Pandora, something like that. Um, a lot of people are like, you know, oh, I want to support, but I'm broke. Dude, you don't need money to support your favorite bands. You can repost, uh, you know, whatever they put up online and promote them. You can tell your friends about them. You can blast their music in whatever you're doing. Like I have a lot of friends that stream as well that like I know they're hurting just as much as I am because they're out of work. But they're like, all right, well, let me stream my favorite bands while, you know, let me play my favorite bands in the background while I'm streaming so that people find out about them. It's not that hard to support if you don't have cash. Social media goes a long way. 100%. Which actually I wanted to ask you, and I was going to wait till after. So you, you had a new song you guys just put, uh, came out with called uh, "Fear Tomorrow." It's a yes. your single. Uh, is it cool to use that before the episode? Yeah, totally fine. All right, sick. Uh, all right, so to the cliche questions here: favorite cities to visit while on tour? Okay, so in the U.S. in the U.S. Favorite cities to visit. Um, so I'm a big food guy. So food is 100% a massive factor in this. Um, I always love going to LA because of friends and stuff like that. The food's always good, but like, you know, wherever we play, it's usually kind of whatever. You know, you never get like crazy restaurants where the venues are. Um, but then again, you have places like San Antonio, which I love going to because. It's one of my favorite barbecue spots is Dignity Meats is like it's in an old gas station and it was up the block from this place, Alamo City Music Hall. And I loved it. It was one of my 
favorite places to eat, but that venue doesn't exist anymore. So playing San Antonio, I don't know if we're going to be playing there anytime soon. You know, it's like St. Louis. I don't like it as a city, but I love it because it's got one of my favorite barbecue spots too. <laughs> you know, it's another barbecue spot. So you, know, you pick Seattle. your favorite places based off food. Oh, dude, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. You know, you, it, there's always places that you know. I love going to Worcester because uh, we have friends. We have a lot of friends up there. I love going to Ohio, like all around Ohio. We have some of our closest friends out there, which is great. But I mean. I haven't played a place in those areas where I'm like, wow, like I, I love being here just to be here. You know, um, Vienna is one of those places, though. Vienna in Austria, like I could go, I could go to a venue. I could play, actually, the one of the worst venues that I've ever played or that any band has ever played is in Vienna. Um, and it's not because of the venue itself. The venue itself's not bad. The sound's pretty good. The shows are always good, but the load in. In at this place called the Viper Room is literally the worst load in in the world. You're going into a basement down like 70 stairs or some Jesus. shit like that, you know. And there's no elevator, there's no nothing. So you're carrying hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of pounds of gear down these fucking stairs into this bomb shelter, and you're like, all right, well the show's gonna be sick, but you know the venue sucks. But then you walk up the block and it's one of the coolest cities in the world you know you got mozart statues you got hofburg palace you got the rat house you got the people's garden bro it's crazy that's amazing it's it's absolutely you got one of the best gorgeous. jobs in the world man it's 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 a blessing and a curse i love it but man my back is killing me <laughs> <laughs> lugging all that shit around i bet dude you know i mean after 13 years of doing it like it's it's literally one of the best jobs in the world and i wouldn't trade it for anything but it's like uh, i might want to trade some things in order to get somebody to carry my fucking gear <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah for sure well you could hire people to do that no yes but that's expensive yeah it's you like know, uh, people yeah. don't realize like you know, when when people are talking about like a driver or a merch guy or, you know, a guitar tech, I mean, you know, at our level, guitar techs are making five, six hundred bucks a week. You know, you times that by four weeks, bro, that's an extra twenty five hundred two thousand to twenty five hundred bucks that could be split in between, you know, the four me or five, six members that we have on tour with us, yeah. you know, so. It uh it adds up, man. It's a lot of money, you no, know. I'm the, yeah, I'm the same. People way. people that run like bands that run full crews, dude. Like bands that have two guitar techs, a drum tech, a light guy, a sound guy, stage manager, like all that shit. Like you got uh, like a ten person crew, bro. They're shelling out at least. They're shelling out at least. You know, I'd say a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks a day on a crew yeah and it adds up real quick that's i mean a thousand or fifteen bucks a day that's seven to ten thousand dollars a week yeah you know you're talking 40 grand on a tour bro yeah i'm, I'm i'll carry my own shit down the steps yeah and that, worry yeah about that. exact that's the same <laughs> boat that that's the same boat that i'm in yeah smart um all right so next questions here i have what bands did you listen to growing up? So 
when I first started getting into metal, obviously you have your starter pack bands. You have your Black Sabbath, your Metallica, your Pantera, Slayer, all stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, from there, it was the early 2000s. So I got into, you know, whatever was popular at that time in the metal world or in the underground metal world, which was bands like It Dies Today and Bury Your Dead and God Forbid and like all those early 2000s metalcore bands. Um, so that shaped me as well, but, uh, it's kind of funny. I would listen to that stuff, but then I had this love for blues and jazz, um, all throughout middle school and high school, I was in jazz band. So having that, the dynamic between listening to, you know, one of my favorite bands like at the gates or Pantera's up there for me and, you know, bands like that. And then going from that to, say, John Coltrane or, you know, Eric Clapton being a blues player or Buddy Guy or, you know, listening to Miles Davis play jazz and stuff like that. Like there's always I always had that balance when I was a kid. Yeah, I'll expand on that question a little bit. What do you listen to right now? Oof. Okay. so um, every Monday on Twitch, what I do is. uh I do a Music Monday section where we listen to every single release that comes out the previous Friday. So obviously Friday is release day. Um, So two days later, I'm like, all right, well, let's listen to new bands. So every week I'm constantly finding new bands that uh, that I'm falling in love with because, you know, it's new and fresh music. And it's a lot of fun. So, like, I just found this band called Night out of San Francisco. They're like a black, you know, like a black metal band uh, out of San Francisco. I think, you know, they're they're like a local band. You know, they're not like full time touring. They're not doing anything like that. But they're sick, you know. So that's one band I'm listening to. Uh, I listen to a lot of Marcus King. Uh, Marcus King band. He's a, a blues dude. Uh, you know, I think he's in his mid twenties. And his voice is out of control. Um, you know, new Acacia Strain is absolutely fantastic. New Gate Creeper, um, Creeping Death. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Fuming Mouth. Uh, so there's 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 a lot of there's a, a wide variety of bands that I uh, that I've been listening to as of the last like six months. Uh, that kind of leads me to my next question here. So believe it or not, uh, I started listening to you guys, I think in December, 2018. And, uh, I have a friend who is friends with Tuck O'Leary from Fit for a King. Oh yeah. And he actually recommend, I asked him, I said, uh, you know, could you recommend some new music? Because I've been listening to the same thing, same bands. And, and you guys were one of the bands. I, I can't remember who else he mentioned, but I've been listening to the same three and four bands for like the last two years now. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you the same question. What are three bands that you can recommend for people to listen to? Okay, three bands right now that people should absolutely listen to. Okay. Uh, my number one is Moontooth. Uh, I've been friends with these guys since I was, uh, you know, early teens and uh you know we went to high school together we played shows together we played in bands together they're some of my closest friends and they are killing it right now they just signed they just signed a pure noise uh last year so moon tooth is number one um number two 
would probably be I am from Texas. All great kids. Uh, they're young. They're hungry. We've toured with them twice in the last couple of years. Uh, actually, late 2018, uh, they came out with us for two weeks while we were on tour with Unearth. And they're some of the sickest, sickest dudes. We just did Europe with them. Their sound is, it's like, imagine if, if Slayer was younger and just heavier. Like, okay. a little slower and a little bit sludgier, a little bit more Texas, you know, Texas sludge to them. Um, they're awesome. Uh, so, Moontooth, I am, and then I'd probably go with Fuming Mouth. Fuming Mouth is a uh, is a band from up in the Boston area. Uh, super aggressive, super fucking pissed off. Um, you know, if you like bands like, uh, you know, Gate Creeper and Creeping Death and stuff like that, like that, you know, area, Fuming Mouth is definitely up your alley. Perfect. All right, so we got Moontooth, I Am, and Fuming Mouth. Awesome. So three more bands I can listen to for the next two years. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, I think that's all I have for you here. Dan, do you have any, uh, questions before we wrap up? Uh, not really. Just, uh, what inspired putting the Macbeth quote before the new song Fear Tomorrow? Um, you know what, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. Uh, it's kind of funny. Will, uh, it was, that was a Will thing. And he was like, yo, I'm thinking about putting this quote in. And we listened to the quote and we were like, you know, I recognized it and I was just like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? It, it fits. It fits perfect. You know, um, you know, so that that's something that you'd have to get Will on to talk about. Uh, there's like a lot of small little details like that about um, about fit that there's certain certain things where like, you know, we're we're sitting there and, uh, you know, we're listening to mixes of, of the songs. And obviously we're listening to mixes of the songs that are houses because, you know, Will sent us the mixes like shit three weeks ago three four weeks ago like right when we got home uh from that one one show tour and uh i'm like yeah this is awesome this is awesome and then he hit the group chat and he's like hey i'm thinking about putting this quote um before it and he sent us the audio and we listened to it and we're like yeah 100 go for it like it wasn't even like a you know a hard thought uh process was it always plan for that song to come out now because it it almost fits the situation that we're in i feel like not at all not at all and it so you know obviously i can't go into too much detail about the song um but the song wasn't supposed to come out for uh another couple months or whatever um it's not off of a new record that we're doing it's not a b-side to um you know, it's not a B-side to see a tragic beast. It was something that was written uh, in December. So uh, wow. it's uh, you just got to keep your keep your ears to the ground. And, uh, you know, it's a fun little project that we're working on. Awesome. And, uh, it was cool because it was it was a little bit more experimental sound wise than uh, than certain things. Like we kind of stepped out of, outside the box a little bit and. You know, it's not your typical fit for an autopsy sound, but I think the song came out absolutely awesome. I think what Joe did with his vocals and certain things, I I, I love the song. So do I. Right away, I loved it. I'm like, oh, this sounds different. I got the chills. Hell yeah, dude. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I guess that's going to do it for us, Tim. Thanks for hanging out, dude. Anytime, anytime, man. I'd love to be on again. Anytime you guys are hanging out, I, uh, I'm i always down to bullshit. Cool. Yeah, that means a lot. Uh, so before we wrap up, is there anything that you may have missed that you want to get out there to promote or anything? Um, besides that, I mean, you, you have you have to support your favorite bands. You have to support your healthcare workers. You have to support, you know, all the people that are out of work. Um, whether, like I said, it would it be your favorite bands, you can promote them. You can do all stuff like that. Um, you know, my buddy Frank that we talked about, you know, 45 minutes ago that I, I toured with in my first band, he, uh, he, when he first found out that his tour was, was, uh, you know, kind of going down the drain. What he did is he realized that, you had so many members, uh, so many crew members from each tour that were getting laid off. They don't have a way to make money. So he has uh, for the nomads.org, which is a charity set up to help out all of the touring crew members that make our lives way easier. Uh, you know, it, it's a way to help them out and uh, and do all that stuff. You have so many people that are helping out healthcare workers. And stuff like that. If you can donate to all the people working in healthcare to help get us through all this bullshit, that's awesome too. Totally agree. Yeah, the sooner everybody's, uh, sooner we help everybody, the sooner we get through this. You know, great message there, uh, Dan. Any parting words before we sign off here? Yeah, I think you uh, think you about nailed it. Cool. Thanks for hanging out for this one, dude. Appreciate you coming on. Anytime. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll let you go, Tim. Stay safe, wash your hands, do all that good stuff, and we'll, do. we'll have you on again soon, man. Thank you. All right, boys. I'll talk to you later. Take care, man. Bye. All right, so that's going to do it for the first episode of Quarantined with Friends. You want to do this again? Yeah, I'll do it again. I got nothing better to do these days. <laughs> dude, what an awesome guest, man. He was a great dude. Very, uh, very easy to talk to. Yeah, really, really humble guy great guy uh cool first guest to have on made it really easy uh so we're like an hour and some minutes into this we're gonna sign off bring it home uh we just put out a an episode right for angry and negative the best of season two part two right now it's up on both brotherly pod and angry negative show platforms uh, at angry negative at brotherly underscore pod for the links to the shows the best ofs are always great. You do a great job with those, Dan, putting those together. There's a plenty of stuff quick. to pick from there. and it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the clips and going through and editing all the radio in between, it takes uh, quite a few hours. So it's it's work of love, but it's always fun going back and listening to uh, some funny moments from our banter. Yeah. Make sure you guys check that out. It's already out. Like Apple uh, Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, all that good stuff. So... Thanks once again for hanging out, Dan. We're going to sign off, and uh, everybody wash your hands, all right? Stay home. Yeah, what do you said? Perfect.